Hello and welcome to the Feel It to Heal It podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kelly, and I am a clinically trained therapist, emotional wellness and life coach, and healer. My mission is to help as many humans as possible feel safe to feel their feelings in order to create a life beyond their wildest dreams. Thank you for being here and let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. So today I have a very special guest on Morning Tea Live on Instagram, my mentor, coach, healer, Yaro Buchans. We are about to hop on IG Live right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Morning Tea Live. Happy Wednesday. I hope everyone's having a beautiful day so far. So today I am so excited to be chatting with my mentor slash coach slash healer slash fairy godmother slash all of the things, <laughs> Yaro KB Cans. We are going to be talking about the truth about healing codependency. So she's going to be hopping on any moment. And if you guys have any questions or you're hopping on, let us know where you're tuning in from. Oh, hold on. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I have to disconnect all my devices. <laughs> uh, okay. She's disconnecting the devices. <laughs> okay. I'm going to mute you here. So I only hear you here. I have to disconnect all my devices. Oh, okay. She's okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Here, so I only hear you here. Okay, so we're echoing. <laughs> we're trying to do uh, both the pod and the IG. Okay, let's see. Okay, so we're echoing. We're trying to do uh, both the pod. So, Yara, I think you should mute your your video. Hello. Hello. Yay. Are we echoey? We are. Yeah, I would mute your your video. I'll mute my video. Okay. We tried. How are we now? Much better. Perfect. Yay. Hello. Hello. This is trippy seeing us in all the places. (laughs) And we got us on here. He's ready. He's he's very happy. Yay. the show. I love it. Oh, welcome to morning tea, Chios. Oh, cheers. We're not at the Ritz, but we're on Instagram, so we're still enjoying our tea. <laughs> Katie, we knew. If you have any tricks on how to record on all the things, let us know. <laughs> all right. So as always, I like to start with a little grounding. So if you guys are tuning in live and you have a place to sit and ground with us you are more than welcome and if you're watching the replay then yeah enjoy this grounding as well so everyone sit up nice and tall rolling the shoulders up and back closing off the eyes if you feel comfortable maybe placing your hands on your lap face down for that grounding feeling or up for receptivity and we're going to start by just taking a big deep breath in and slowly releasing to notice how the breath is feeling in this present moment. Noticing if the breath is shallow or deep. Beginning to deepen the breath with each inhale and exhale. 
Now you're going to notice any sounds or distractions in your environment. Noticing any thoughts coming up. And as each thought comes up, you're going to imagine placing it on a cloud in the sky or a leaf in a stream, just watching it float away, knowing you can always come back to it if you need to. But for now, just refocusing on the breath. Now you're going to bring your awareness into your body, just noticing any body sensations, any areas of tension or tightness. I'm doing a quick body scan, relaxing your brow line, your jaw, your shoulders, your heart, your chest, your abdomen, the base of your spine. Noticing any tension in your legs or toes or fingers or arms and sending an intentional breath into any part of the body that needs it most right now. And next you're gonna notice any emotions, any stuck, stored, old or stagnant emotion that may need to come up or any new or raw emotion. Just allowing space for any and all feelings to come to the surface knowing that you are safe to feel however you're feeling. And then you're gonna notice any resistance, any resistance to being in the body, any urge for the mind to pull you out with thoughts or overthinking or ruminating, any urge to numb or distract or avoid. And then you're going to slowly deepen the breath to get back into your body, showing your nervous system it's safe to just be here in this present moment, allowing your body to continue just slowing down. Just taking a few moments to notice what it feels like to be in stillness, continuing to notice anything else that comes up and then returning your focus to your breath. And now together, let's take three long deep breaths. So placing your hands on your heart, your abdomen, or your legs, whatever feels best for you. Starting with the first inhale, we're gonna breathe all the way in. Holding the breath at the top and slowly releasing out of your mouth. And again, breathing all the way in. Holding at the top, just noticing what it feels like to be full of air, full of life. And slowly exhaling. And one more, breathing all the way in. Hold. And let it all out. I'm just noticing how the breath is feeling right now compared to when we started allowing it to return back to its natural rhythm, noticing if anything has softened or shifted or if anything new has shown up. When you're ready, you can start to slowly take any small organic movement just to start to gently wake the body back up. So maybe some neck rolls or some side stretches or anything else that your body's needing in this moment as you slowly start to come back. Okay. Hello again. Hello. 
How are you feeling? I feel good. I needed that. I didn't know I needed that. Rachel is the best grounder. We were just talking about this before. <laughs> Everyone should know that. She grounds like no other. <laughs> My double Capricorn. I love grounding. All right. So, oh my goodness, where do we begin? This is like such a huge topic. Um, so, yeah, any particular place you want to start? I was just thinking about that. And what came up for me was um, <clears throat> the misconceptions we have around, uh, you know, what codependency is and what it means, right? And then there's so much shame associated with needs. Mm -hmm. And it's complicated because on one hand, we, those of us who would identify as classically having been codependent, we would grasp onto someone to save us, right? And then like what I did is I then went way the other, once I realized, I didn't call it codependency, it was anxious attachment. I just knew, I didn't even know what codependency was at that moment in time. Yeah. I just knew I didn't want to feel like that with anyone. Right. And so I went way to the other side of things where I became almost really avoidant of intimacy, avoidant of connection. Because I was like, I don't want to feel like that. And that is what happens when I'm like that. Right. And it's more about your story than mine, but I'm just kind of giving like a little bit of a, you know, an insight into where this came for me. Like, mm -hmm. and there was a relationship I had that is the third episode of my podcast. And I spoke a lot about how that relationship really broke me of this because he pointed out to me like, Hey, you're really super independent when you're alone, but when you're with someone, you get really like graspy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, huh, that's so interesting. That's true. What is happening now? Yeah. I would say the same thing all the time. <laughs> what is that? Right. <laughs> I think we do is we then pathologize, right? And we pathologize what it means to, to be, like we really want interdependence and we pathologize codependency and instead, and then we feel shame about it instead of realizing that in order to be securely attached, we actually need to work through the codependency, work through the anxious attachment. And then that brings us to our relationship where we had to allow you to become anxiously attached to me so that we could titrate you back to yourself. Yeah, totally. So for those that are listening and they have no idea, I mean, I'm sure, you know, those that are listening are probably in our worlds and they hear us talking about this all the time, but just in case, like someone has no idea or they have kind of this misconception about what codependent means, how would you kind of just explain it or just a simple... I'm sure that's the actual definition of it, but I've always, <laughs> it's actually really funny because I don't like diagnoses, right? So right. I like have always been so vehemently opposed to like labeling anything, anything. Right. Um, so I don't know the official diagnosis of it, but what I would say is it's an inability to see like your own. Yeah. And you're grasping on and you need to hold on to someone else and you become really either really controlling of the person or really controlled by the person. Like it can look both ways. Like yeah. remember when I was in grad school, there was one uh, friend of mine and she was like, I wasn't, I didn't think I was codependent until I realized that like, oh, my controlling behavior is my codependency. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. Because we need to have control. Right. If we don't have control, we feel like we might die. Or we become super controlled. So it can look both ways. Mm -hmm. And I've actually experienced both in my life and my relationships. Yeah. And 
it's really an inability to be with oneself and it is an activated inner child inside of you that's like really holding on tightly because you feel like you're gonna die without that other person right but that's how I would explain yeah totally and I think like you know there's just the classic understanding of you know codependency often forms from you know, being in relationship with someone who's an addict. But I think what people don't realize is that addiction can look like many things, right? We have the classic understanding of like, oh, you know, a codependent with an alcoholic or a codependent with a drug user. But like, yes, that can be true. And it goes so beyond that, right? So um, like for me, my parents did not struggle with substance use, but my mom struggled with her own codependency. So it's, again, like, codependency in and of itself can be the addiction because you don't feel safe to be just with yourself alone and then like you said some people will then go to the opposite extreme of like well now I just have to become super avoidant so obviously the goal is to then build that secure attachment in that in that happy medium place where you feel safe to be with yourself and with other people but the idea of becoming avoidant didn't actually mean that I could be with myself. I right. felt it on other people and other things. So it actually right. doesn't even have to show up in a relationship. Mm-hmm. It can just be an inability to be with oneself, yeah. like fully. And I was so sneaky because I would talk about this a lot. Like I would talk about be, like being with yourself is the most terrifying thing to do in the world. Like 2013, 14, 15, I was talking about this, thinking I was doing it. And there were these sneaky, subtle ways that I wasn't doing it. And I still was holding on and I still was grasping tight. And the universe will give us what we need when we need it. Always. (laughs) Always. And so I would always have these really deep, profound connections with men that were, they were unavailable. Mm -hmm. And I was always like kind of banging my head against the wall, but they were really beautiful connections. We had really great intimacy or sex in like whatever capacity you want to call it, like really like GG transformative, but they couldn't actually be with me. They couldn't commit to me. And that was a reflection of where I wasn't committing to me. And the universe gave me these opportunities to transform through them. And like a lot of times we will really shame those kinds of relationships. And this has been my deep experience where people will judge it or they'll shame it or we'll shame ourselves for it. Instead of just being like, what am I actually learning from this relationship? What's transforming within me in this relationship? Because we transform through our relationships. And when we avoid living, we avoid ourselves. And we we perpetuate that codependency because what was happening for me in those relationships is I was getting, (laughs) I'm just laughing and reflecting to reflect back on, I was getting like ripped apart over and over and over and over because I had to meet myself at those deepest levels. And it was through my last relationship that it didn't end, it ended, fully ended about a year ago, but that last relationship was like, so fully transformative for me that it was like oh my anxious attachment is gone like I can be with myself now like I can actually stay connected to me and the sign of that is that like I still actually love this person very much but there is no graspiness there is no obsessing there is no ruminating there is no like thinking about what if there is I am with the pain that this dynamic is not meant to happen at this time maybe never 
and that's okay. It doesn't mean it's not painful, right. but it's okay. Mm-hmm. And that is a sign of like, oh, I'm no longer grasping onto some fantasy or holding on to what if or trying to make it work. It's like, oh, yeah, that's I'm I'm with me. And yeah. what's my leadership? Where's my life going? What's my vision? And then really shifting and being like, you know, because it's nervous system wiring. I'm talking a long time, but I'm getting somewhere yeah. this. Like, it's wiring. <laughs> so I didn't feel safe to just be with me. I didn't feel safe to let go of those, like, you know, like the grasping and the holding on. And it was little yarrow. And it's also nervous system wiring of like feeling safe to be in ventral. And in order to manifest, you have to feel safe to be in ventral. So, right, the reason I'm talking about that is that, like, I didn't feel safe to let go of what I thought I wanted so that I could get to a place of full connection with myself so I could manifest what I couldn't possibly dream, right? Just, like, yeah. this, like to actually come into relationship with the feelings that I want to feel in a relationship. We try to bypass all of that, and we don't look at what's right in front of you. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Laura. I don't share them very often. I probably should share You've them. You've got more. some good stories. They're, they're starting to come out more. Yeah. Which is, feels vulnerable, but fun. I love you too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's like, I really, if we can look at like what's in front of us, because I think what happens a lot of times is we're like, oh, this relationship is wrong. It's not good. Right. And so then we're like shaming ourselves instead of going, wait, this is transforming me. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of trying to justify to other people why I was in certain situations, which just did no service to me. Right. It just kept the shame spiral going. And so then we perpetuate the codependency because we're not actually learning what's in front of us. Yeah. Right. Because we're trying to, we're making things mean something about us. Right. And I think that's kind of the tricky balance that we talk about a lot is like, sometimes we stay in relationships because we love the person and, you know, because of our anxious attachment, when like, eventually the goal would be to look at a relationship and say, okay, you know, is, am I just staying because I'm anxiously attached and knowing that like love is not enough. Like you have other needs in a relationship. But then I think what happens is we, we try to, like you said, bypass what's actually happening in front of us. So when we think about like, okay, we want to relate from a securely attached place, it's like, well, how do you get to that point? You first have to allow all of those different relationships and experiences to actually transform you and heal you to get to that place where you can then start dating and be like, oh, like the old me would have totally you know, settled for this person that actually doesn't feel aligned. And now I can say, oh, that was probably my anxious attachment, but we can't bypass that part. Right. So, you know, in all of our relationships, when we have this connection and then we feel the graspiness or we feel the control or whatever else is coming up. And then people on the outside are like, well, why are you with this person? And da da da. And like, I think that was really one of the biggest things that has stood out about our work is even when I made connections that I knew my highest self did not want to be with this person, right? Like you really allowed me to see how these connections were going to help heal and transform me if I allowed them to, right? And like, of course, there's the balance of like, let me not leak all my time and energy with this person. And we can't, control who we have these connections to and yeah the shame just like 
it's so easy for someone outside to be like, well, why are, you know, I had friends that would look at this connection and be like, well, why are you spending your time? Like, you're so much better than this person, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, when you feel a soul connection with someone, no matter what that looks like, you can't bypass it. And there is so much learning. And I share all the time about how my program come home to yourself literally was birthed from having a connection with someone that I was very anxiously attached to. So it, it goes back to what you always say of like, we get to choose how to relate. So we can either say, oh, we know this person isn't good for us and, you know, walk away, which again, like if it genuinely feels aligned to do that, absolutely honor that. And pretending that you don't have feelings for someone like I try to do many a times <laughs> because there is so much shame around it. Like I remember it, it took us so long just to get me to the point where I could even admit like, oh, I actually have feelings for this person because there was so much shame around like, how could I even like someone like this who has an active addiction and who acts like a child and da da da, right? And then when I actually surrendered to my feelings and the connection, it, it healed these deeper layers of my anxious attachment that I didn't even know were still there. So you know, we always get to choose how we're going to relate to something if it's going to allow us to, you know, heal what's actually coming up and take a real honest, hard look at what's coming up. Or if we're just like, okay, whatever, we're just going to listen to our friends and, you know, let the shame take over. And then that just then shows up in the next relationship and you're never actually healing it. You're just avoiding it and avoiding it and avoiding it. Yeah. And the thing is that when we listen to our friends and we force ourselves not to be in connection with someone because of what it looks like, right. Or what we should do, we, that still lives inside of us for forever. Like it doesn't go away. And it's like you said, and they'll come in, up in the next relationship. And the other thing that I was, so it's like twofold, right? So we often stay in relationships because they're safe or they're perceived safe. And that's our anxious attachment too. Like, are you lit up by this person? Do you really want to be with this person? Are you like, are you just staying there because it's safe and it makes sense to use air? I love air quotes. Yeah. It makes sense and you should stay because they're a good person. Like we're meant to be on fire. Like our, meaning our souls are meant to be alive. And when we stay just because it makes sense, that's also anxious attachment. That's also codependency because that's a fear of being alone. And I just had a long time. I was with someone for six years and I, I loved him so much. Like as a human, we weren't romantically meant to be together. And I kind of always knew this. And I was so scared to break up with him because I was like, when I knew in my soul, this is so funny. I was like, when I break up with him, my entire life is going to fall apart. And I am going to go through the fucking fire of relationships. Like, I just knew. I don't know how I knew. I just knew. And when I broke up with him, I was 32. I was living in New York. And um, I had to move into a studio apartment by myself. And it was the first time I'd lived alone in five years. And I was, like, in New York. Had only lived there eight months. and was, like, so terrified. And I did. I really went through it. And this is when these connections came into my life. Like, it was like connection after connection after connection that was transforming my soul. And people mm. were so judgmental about them, especially my last relationship, which my last relationship, I created the art of connecting and expanding because of his and my relationship. Like yeah. the deep, 
dark healing that I did in that relationship is created who I am today. And I had so many people judge it. In fact, the first year of our relationship, one of my friends, who's no longer a friend, said to me, how can I trust your advice as a therapist if this is who you're with? And I was like, this has nothing to do with my wisdom and my ability. There is something here that we are learning from each other. And our healing together was so deep and so profound. And it didn't always look like it's supposed to. There is fucking no, no supposed to. Yeah. It's a bunch of shit. <laughs> it's a bunch of shit. And the fact that we judge it the way that we do actually keeps us stuck in codependency. It keeps us stuck in control because we're trying to control our human experience. We're trying to, which is actually trying to control our soul's trajectory and what we're actually meant to learn on this planet. We fucking can't control it. And the more you try to control it, the more stuck and stagnant you stay in your life because we're meant to live. Now, when we say that, people always want the like expansiveness and the wealth and the abundance and the like beautiful relationship and all the beautiful life. Living will take you through the fire and the depths of hell. Yeah. And then you'll come up the other side and feel so fully sovereign within yourself yep. that you can be with all things. And there is no greater freedom than that. And if so you, you try and bypass, it. yeah, if you try and bypass that, even if you experience all the wealth and all that, like, how are you actually feeling internally? Nothing can totally. replace that. Yeah, because you could get there and have all the wealth and all the money and all the relationships and all the things and still feel completely empty inside because you bypass your soul's journey. Yep. And your soul is screaming that it needs to be transformed. And sometimes that, tra- not sometimes, always, the transformation is so deeply painful to get you to the other side of bliss. And bliss is actually when you are so free, you can be with all things. Something yep. can be super painful and you can be like, okay, I'm just with this. I'm not going to die. I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I can let it pass through. Like, Life is an ebb and flow of all things at all times. Sometimes yeah. in the same breath. I wrote this on my Instagram caption the other day. You can feel deep pain that you feel like you're going to die. Ecstatic ecstasy. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? Ecstatic <laughs> ecstasy. And bliss all within the same moment. All yeah. within the same breath. If you allow yourself to. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's reminding me of... Um, so before starting my business, when I was at the DBT clinic, there was a therapist there that she was leaving because DBT was not for her. And she, she said that she was going to create a business card that said, you know, I'm not here to help you feel, you know, better. Like most, most people are like, Oh, just feel better. Here's things to feel better. Like the focus is always on like bypassing the pain and just feeling better and like putting band-aids and coping skills over it. And she's like, I'm here to help people feel like shit, but effectively, because when you do that, then you feel better at the end. Like we can't bypass it. And, and it's also like, why would we want to? Because emotions are not subjective. So if you're bypassing pain, you're also not experiencing joy and ecstasy and bliss and freedom and abundance and all the things to the depths that's available to us when we actually are in the depths of hell on the other side. It's like, we need to experience both so, so much. And we are master avoiders of that. Totally. And the reason that internal safety became so key for me is because I thought perceived safety for so long, right? Like in relationships, externally from myself, like I sought perceived safety and I see everybody do this. It's like, oh, I'm in a relationship now and it's so stable and it's so blah, blah, blah. I'm not dissing stable relationships. 
what I am saying is, is your soul alive? Or are you in a relationship where you just feel safe because you're in control? Right. And that's a real question to ask. (laughs) That's such a real question. What? I said that is such a real question because control is the sneakiest motherfucker where we're like, everything's great. We're living our magical lives. And it's like, yeah, because you're controlling everything. And so it feels safe. It feels totally safe. You know that this person's not going to hurt you. And I love this quote from Bob Marley. Everyone's going to hurt you. You just got to find the ones who are suffering. Yeah. (laughs) I told that to my client yesterday. I was like, yeah, your part, our partners are going to hurt us. They're like, that's real human relationships. Like we can't stifle our experiences. We can't stifle what it means to actually live. And Control and codependency are so intricately related, right? Because when we're controlled, and I've been in many relationships in my life where I was usually the one to end them, where I felt so in control that I didn't want to have sex with my partners. Mm -hmm. Because why do you want to have sex with someone you're in control of? Yeah, that's not a turn on. (laughs) You can't come in as like the 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 man who's going to like if I like to surrender in my sexual relationships so like he can't be that person to surrender to because I'm in control yeah and so there's no fucking fun there right and so like we can't um yeah I don't have an answer to that one biological clock clock I'd like to speak on this one but finish your thought first it's, and it's so sneaky because it's like, yeah, those relationships felt super safe, but I always ended up feeling stifled. And and like we, we, I was just saying this to a client yesterday, like we undervalue sexual connection so much. Like sex isn't everything, obviously, but like when we're connected to our sexual energy and the we're connected to creation mm-hmm. and not children creation, but just creation in general, maybe children creation, but just creation. And so when we're relationship and we don't feel like we can just like connect intimately in a way that like lights our soul on fire like sex is not supposed to be like oh yeah it was okay yeah it's literally not what it's supposed to be it's a fucking like, thing for life it's okay we're gonna talk more about our relationship but we're gonna we're gonna save that for the end you know <laughs> it's the best for last <laughs> to your, like that like feeling that level of ability to surrender intimately to a partner and we, I really feel like we've gotten into this rigidity around sex and it's like it it's it's a very tricky thing because when we get into a relationship we feel so exposed and it's like can we allow ourselves to be fully exposed that way intimately yeah and when we feel like we're <laughs> Where we are. <laughs> Talk about release control. We just let it let it unravel as it's meant to. <laughs> um, it's eleven eleven here right now. Um, Make a wish. Good sex for everyone. <laughs> sex for everyone. It's just what, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's something I've been thinking a lot about lately because for multiple reasons, Kelly. And <laughs>
journal, we become disconnected from our creativity. It's the same chakra. It's the second chakra. And that part of us is so important. And we get into relationships that feel safe. And then it's like, oh, we haven't had sex for X amount of time. And like, that's great. Maybe you just have a friendship at this point. But like, I believe everyone's sexuality needs to stay alive. That's my true belief. Yes, you're here. I agree. <laughs> so important. Um, so I just want to touch on the question earlier about like biological clock and all that, because I think that is literally one of the biggest things that drives women's decisions and behaviors in our world. And it's something I feel very passionately about. <sighs> okay, so <clears throat> the old me, I used to be someone that I could not wait to have babies and get married, literally from the time I was a child. That's all I wanted in life. I used to babysit for free. I was like mother's helper for free. All I wanted to do was take care of humans. Like I felt like that was what I was born to do. Turns out, yes, there is authenticity to that in the extent of like, I do have, I've always had maternal energy. I always love being mama bear and my friend groups a thousand percent. And a big part of it that I was unconscious to was that was my codependency. That was my anxious attachment of like, I feel safer to take care of others than to actually be alone or to take care of myself. So <clears throat> when I was in like early twenties, it was just focused on like, okay, find the husband, make the babies, like do this as soon as possible. <clears throat> and every time I would go to our family astrologer, he'd be like, you're a Capricorn, things happen later in life. So like, I would always ask him, when am I going to find my person? When am I going to be a mom? Da, 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 da. And he's like, things happen later in life. You're still figuring out like if you even want that or what you want to do and da, da, da. So since doing this healing work, it is the first time in my entire life that I felt the furthest away from that. That doesn't mean that I may not have those things one day or that I may not, you know, maybe I, I will still desire them one day. And it's, it's just highlighted so much around how my focus was that because of my trauma, because of my attachment style, because of my inability to see beyond, like beyond that, to have a life where I could actually create this dreamy business for myself and like really get into my purpose. Like I was so out of alignment. And so one of the main things that I help many of my clients with is like, do you actually want to get married? Do you actually want to have the baby and why? And maybe you do, and that's beautiful. And that feels authentic for you. And where are you not actually prioritizing living for yourself before you rush into taking care of someone else? Because that is literally how we perpetuate generational trauma. It's you avoiding yeah. you and having a baby to make you feel safe. And then you perpetuate that trauma onto the baby and the baby is then your safety net. And then it just goes on and on and on and on. So we need to actually break that cycle by looking at what is actually authentic to us and where are we letting control of, you know, well, society says that by this age, I should have the first baby before this age. And like, I'm very aware of the fact that like science says before the age of 35, you should have your first child. I'm, you know, going to be 32 in January. And I'm like, oh shit, like if I want to have a kid, blah, blah, but it's not the same energy. Like there used to be this energy of like rushing and time running out and like, I have to make shit happen and like forcing things. And then we stay in marriages that don't make us happy because we think that it's too late 
to go find a person we actually want to wake up to every day. And then we have babies because we think that's what we should do. We go online and what do we see? We see, you know, baby showers and engagement. Like we don't, we don't celebrate like so many other things in life. And like you and I talk about this all the time is like, where's the celebration for like building a six figure business that where we can heal the world? Like how fucking cool is that? Or like celebrations for healing generational trauma and like building secure attachment. Like, you know, I always say instead of a baby shower, it's like having a a, a celebration for my inner child, like finally feeling safe enough to not run the show anymore. So it's like, when you feel, when you do the work to build internal safety and rewire your nervous system and build secure attachment, you actually feel safe enough to lean into faith and trust that if you are meant to experience all those things, you don't need to control the timeline. You don't need to be driven by this biological clock. I literally wrote this in my caption the other day. I said, you know, what's more, uh, like, a more powerful clock than the biological clock is is like divine timing from the universe because we can't control it so it's just trusting like I have no idea when or how I literally thought about this in the shower this morning I was like oh I wonder like if I get married like when that'll happen I'm like I have no idea and it gets to be this really exciting thing of like the unknown goes from feeling so fucking terrifying to oh, like, this is really cool. I have no idea what's going to happen, but I just know that I keep going and I keep listening to what feels aligned and authentic. And then you get to see like all the magic available to you, but we can't experience this level of faith or trust or magic when we are literally trying to control everything, which was me my entire life. (laughs) So yeah, I have to give some perspective here on Rachel, because when she first came to me, which was two years ago in August, yeah, um, she was like, I want kids. I've always known that, like, so certain. So, like, and I was like, okay, we'll see. <laughs> Talk to me in a few months. <laughs> don't think you do or don't. It's, just like, it's exactly like you just so beautifully said. Like, I just feel so proud listening to you speak because you integrate this work so beautifully and like are such a like you just the way you speak about it is so infectious right because it's like yes like it's like intoxicating that's a better word than infectious intoxicating (laughs) it really is because it's like you are such a testament to like um you know Rachel has shown up and shown up and leaned in and heard hard things and like the way that I guide people through healing is quite different than most people it's really a spiritual different than everyone let me tell you because I've been therapy since I was five different than anyone there's nothing like this work I will stand I will say that till the day I die and because it's literally about becoming who you are right and like shedding all of the beliefs and all of the dependencies and all of the addictions and the maladaptive thought processes and like getting to the core of your soul and healing like we have so much soul healing to do that like if you just sit with yourself and I say this a lot but if you just sit with yourself for a minute and think about your 
your ancestors and the pain and the trauma they went through and then the ancestors before them and before them and before them and humanity at the dawn of time like we have been through so much pain and we're here in this modern world and it's like we have a safe environment right and most people listening to this you're super safe like you're safe you're in your home or you're in your car or wherever you are you're safe and that's such a gift that we can finally lay our nervous systems down and be like okay let's heal and let's move out of that scarcity out of that survival out of that shooting out of that what is it supposed to look like out of that hustle and into deep connection with who we are meant to be in this world of what we're meant to create and how we're meant to really expand into a new way of being like something i've been thinking a lot about lately is this energetic violence that we have in the world which codependency is totally energetically violent yeah not overtly violent you're energetically violent you're controlling you're you're punishing you're critical you're like all of these things are energetic violence and that is what our world is being created through right now and my want and i know rachel's want as well is to move us out of that and into full connection with ourselves so that we can create from a place of connection of love of abundance of desire of honoring each other's needs of feeling safe to actually own our needs right like because a lot of times we don't know what our needs are we don't know what our desires are we're just going based off what we should or we're going based off our conditioning or our dynamics with our parents or our dynamics with the world or like something i was thinking about myself this morning um and i did think i was going to share this on here which is kind of funny to share but when i first was with my ex he really loved this kind of like center of attention thing i have mm-hmm. so i'm an only child i have a leo rising fucking love attention and like not it i just do yeah. and like not annoying like it is kind of annoying sometimes but i know it about myself like i know it very intimately and when we first got together he thought it was so cute and he was like I, there was this one thing he sent me that was like I don't know it was like a joke like that i'm the center of like all the planets right like i'm the sun and it was like always a joke with us like oh you think you're the sun but like his own um stuff ended up getting in the way and he felt really like he couldn't meet those needs and he just actually couldn't i'm not going to share his stuff but he couldn't and then it became like something he really hated about me but i think it was really he hated that he couldn't just love it the way he did when he first met me and i because of that because that was oh it's gonna make me cry yeah. it's not alive together if we don't cry so it's okay <laughs> it was so painful in our relationship when he ended up kind of turning it on me that i disowned that part of myself mm. and it's something i was thinking about when i was chanting this morning i was like i'm bringing that back but yeah it's owning who you are right like it's owning such a big part of you it's like like I set the energy out there, which is like, yeah, right. And, um, you know, we, I like, and, and the, the reason I'm sharing that is that we will disown parts of ourselves when we don't feel like they're accepted by the people who we love, yeah. or we feel shame about them in our relationships. And like, this was a part of me that he actually did love it. And I know that was genuine for him, but he couldn't meet that. He couldn't meet me. Like that was a big theme in our relationship of like, I just don't have the ability to give you what you deserve. Like, I think one of the last things he said to me was, I want to be able to give you everything. That wasn't the last thing, but it was like, I want to be able to give you everything and, and I can't. And so 
that his own shame then got projected onto me and then I took it on and then what do we do with that right like how do we then internalize that or shut ourselves down around that and then where do we get small and then where do we hold on and then where, where do we have the ability to be with ourselves and like do the work to not make ourselves wrong for just who we are innately as humans right like Rachel yeah. you are always going to be someone who gets on a soapbox and like you give the best lectures <laughs> like they're just so good I'm always going to be someone who wants to like dance in the center and like yeah. get attention like it's just like part of who we are as humans right. when we reject those parts of ourselves no one is served yeah yeah, it's yeah, you, that was that was perfectly said because I mean obviously you know I can relate and I think anyone who has that wound of like feeling like too much, right? And oftentimes we then internalize and feel shame around the fact that like you know, oh this person I'm like too much for them or I scare them away and in reality it's just like someone who's so deeply secure and safe within them own selves, they can, they can hold whatever that is. Right. So like, oftentimes it's just that mirror for them of like, I've literally had men tell me I'm terrified of you. I'm intimidated by you because it reflects back to them that they don't feel safe to just be their authentic self, the way that I walk in a room. And I'm just like, I no shit's given. I'm just unapologetically myself. Right. And so being able to own those needs is huge. And I think just to kind of tie it into our original topic of our relationship. <laughs> Five minutes old. Here we are. It's like it took us a while to get to a point where I had to fully own my needs, right? And that's like the big missing piece of so much heal like healing that we think we've done is like we don't we're not given this like radical permission of just owning your needs. And because there's so much shame, right? So like to give everyone some context, um, when we first started, I had just, you know, gone through a breakup. And during that relationship, I realized how deeply triggered I was. And I was like, holy shit, like I didn't realize little me was so active. Um, because I said the same thing of like, when I'm single, I'm just like, so independent and da da da. when I'm in a relationship, I turn like batshit crazy. And I'm like, what's going on? And that is because our primary attachment relationships will bring up all of that childhood historical wounding. So I'm fresh out of this relationship and have not been in a relationship in the two years since you and I started working together. And so you then became my primary person. And so at first it was confusing because I'm like, why are all these, you know, needs coming out with you? Or why are all these like bad shit, crazy behaviors coming out with you when they've only come out with partners or, you know, childhood, they come out with parents. And again, it's really just like that level of depth and intimacy that you have in a relationship where you are showing all parts of yourself. And so when we have so much shame, like there was so much shame around when my control would come out with you, when my graspiness would come out, like all of the things. And I'm like, oh, why is this coming out? And this is weird. And this is just so vulnerable. And like, it felt so shameful that I just wanted to like crawl in a hole and die. And then I just want to pause you there. And then yeah. what, what Rachel would do with that is she would try to repress it mm-hmm. and then do weird things to try to get attention, which yep. then just activated me. Yes. I would feel so much shame that I wouldn't be able to just clearly say, hey, I'm needing validation right now or hey I'm feeling really scared right now it would be like 
I would like do these weird, sneaky, unconscious, as we call it in the BPD world, crafty ways, as we learned, <laughs> where it would be so unconscious. And then it would be like, huh, why did I just do that? And then you would call me out and be like, what's going on here? Let's take a look at that. And it's because I just didn't feel safe to be like, you know, this is what I need, or this is how I'm feeling. And we had to go from this place of like, really working with the shame of like, okay, what am I making it mean about me? Like, you know, what, what am I actually needing and connecting back to that emotion rather than when we feel that shame, we project, we make it the other person, we villainize, we, you know, like we just can't be with the fact that, oh, it makes sense that I would have these needs that just weren't met from childhood. And that's literally all of us. So yeah. Hi. Rachel would finally get to a place where she could just tell me how she was feeling, I would then be able to meet you with empathy and compassion. But when there was control, mm -hmm. when there was projection, I would get angry, which was yeah. an actually an appropriate response because those were my boundaries. Right? right. It was like, no, that's not okay to treat me like that. Right. Like it's like, I know you're my client, but this behavior is not okay. Right. And then you'd be like, I know, but, and you still couldn't get to the actual need of what was happening. Yeah. And finally, when we realized what the need was, we were able to talk about it, to soften it, to tend to little you. And it has been quite a journey. And as soon as Rachel was able to own her needs, own her, like what was actually her feelings, like we're not taught that it's okay to express our feelings. Like, yeah. what am I feeling in this moment? We feel shame if we feel scared or if we feel sad or if we feel left out or if we feel hurt. Hurt. like we don't feel like it's okay to just say hey I feel hurt by this we feel like we have to have a reason or a justification and so Rachel was always like well this because you said this or this because of this or this person told me this and validated me or, you know, it wasn't like right it wasn't like our ability like it wasn't like you didn't feel safe to just say to me I'm feeling hurt and then yeah. I can be like I get it yeah I totally get it yeah and even that was like a whole journey because you know <laughs> like then if there was anger as a response, I'd be like, oh shit, should I have not said that? Or like, or I think a lot, a lot of times, I mean, I think for most humans, we don't feel safe to experience and express anger. And that's something that you are, you've been more comfortable with, which has been helpful for me to learn how to be in touch with my own anger. But for little me, it was like, oh, parent is angry. That means like, you're not safe. And then it's like, retract, retract. And so we had to get to this point where it's like, oh no, like anger actually can be this reparative experience where it's like, you need to look at your behavior of why this person is getting angry at you um, because they have every right to be angry if you're trying to control them and cross their boundaries. And I think that was kind of the, yeah, the pivotal point is like, it's, it's weird. It's like, I'm trying to figure out how to explain it because we often hear in the healing world, like we can't shame ourselves into change. We have to accept and love ourselves into change. And what I will add to that, <laughs> and this is obviously very nuanced, the thing that helped me the most in terms of <clears throat> just being able to like own my needs and express my needs and honor them and shift out of that codependency was like, I felt so much shame around it. And I, I just had this moment on the beach where I was like, I'm, I'm not going to accept this for myself. Like not in a, not in a mean way of like, hold on, I'm going to pause.
pause you here because yeah. I want to give some nuance around this. Yeah. It's not that we, we can't shame ourselves into change, but we can't avoid the shame we feel about right. the way we behave, right? So right. it's like when we actually have the courage to be with the shame and be like, fuck, I am doing these things because I feel so scared, yeah. right? And then feel the shame that is around the fear and not hide from the shame, not push the shame away, not project it out onto the other person, but actually just be with the shame of I am behaving in this way that is coming from my activated inner child, that is coming from my fear, that is coming from my, you know, anxious attachment, that's coming from a BPD symptom, right? Like I am acting out because I'm scared Mm -hmm. and I feel ashamed of my behavior. And what we want to do when we feel ashamed of our behavior is we want the other person to do what we want them to do so that we don't have to be with our behavior anymore, right? right? Like you are always trying to like, do the crafty things to get me to do what you want me to do, but that right. was not fair of you to try to control me that way. Right. And so I would get angry because I was like, you're trying to control me and this isn't okay. And then you would actually have to be with the shame of your behavior. And for a while you tried to like keep coming at me. And then mm-hmm. eventually we figured out what was going on, which was when, um, for those of you who don't know, I had to tell Rachel, I think you have some BPD symptoms and you have mm-hmm. episodes. Mm-hmm. And in those episodes, she would just do anything she could to try to control me to get me to do what she wanted me to do. So she didn't have to be with the pain and the fear and the shame of the behavior. Yeah. So she wanted it to be my fault. And so we had to really work with like, okay, what's actually happening here? Right. So you had to feel safe to be with the shame of like, fuck, I don't want to behave this way. I don't want Yaro to be scared to have me around because no. of how I'm behaving. Right. And that allowed you, and, and it was it with ignoring when you could come to me with those feelings, mm-hmm. I could say, I get it. And I understand why this happens for you instead of you coming to me with trying to control my behavior. Right. And we can't shame ourselves into changing, but we do need to be with our shame. And what happens 99.99999% of the time is people avoid their own shame. And when you avoid your own shame, you avoid yourself. And one of the most important questions I ask my clients when I first start with them, which is partially from our work together, is what is your relationship with shame? Yeah. Because if you don't have a healthy relationship with your own shame, you are avoiding such deep, intimate parts of yourself that are going to affect your ability to feel how you want to feel in your life. Like we all have shame. Mm -hmm. We all have parts of us that feel like we're wrong. Like I started crying when I was telling that story about my ex, because I have shame that he then turned that around on me when it was something he loved about me so much. Like, and then I had shame about like, this is a part of me and I have to be able to be with that shame so that I can just be like, no, that is who I am. Like I'm meant to radiate light and kind of be that big, bold person. I'm a little bit princessy. I take care of those needs. I don't project them onto someone else and that's okay. But for you, it was like, you had to be with that shame so that you could actually take ownership of this is all mine and I'm projecting it onto Yaro. Yeah. And then we can have a relationship. It's not like I'm perfect. There have been things I've done in our relationship that I have owned and been like, yeah, I fucked up here or like yeah. I got activated here or I got defended here or like I felt like I had to protect myself here. But some of that was also justified because yeah. you were actually trying to yeah and just to loop this back around for people the reason we're talking about this is that a lot of people have had a lot of judgments around rachel and my relationship they have felt like it's codependent and the reality about our relationship 
is that she had to become anxiously attached to me so that I could guide her back to her. Mm -hmm. And if without that process, she would still be anxiously attached in her life. Whereas now she's not. And when I met Rachel in Paris, I could feel there was no graspiness. There was no clinging to me. And that I don't feel that energetic vibration from you anymore, whereas I used to feel it all the time. Yeah. And it comes up in moments, and she literally can now say, oh, this is little me. And adult <laughs> me can see that little me is coming out. And it's a very yeah. clear difference where it didn't used to be. It used to be all muddy all pressed together, her just projecting all the time, expecting me to do things that I wasn't supposed to be doing. And now it's like, oh shit, this is mine. Yeah. Yeah. I can just be with this. And that process was necessary because without that, if I had just pushed her back to herself prematurely, like where there was at one point in time where I was like, we're just accepting that I'm your anchor. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it is. Right. So that I can guide you back to you being your anger. And that was the whole, that would be intention the entire time. But what we miss in the healing world, what we miss in the therapy world is that sometimes someone else needs to be the anchor yep. until you feel internally safe enough to be the anchor for yourself. Yeah. And we shame those kinds of relationships so fully to go back to what we were speaking about at the beginning. We don't understand the process of healing. The process of healing is you can't send a two-year-old out on the street like, okay, go. Like when Rachel came to me, she was basically an activated two-year-old. Yep. And a thousand percent. So that she could then securely attach to herself. Yeah. Ah, oh, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> it's so true. It's like, yeah, you can't just you can't just shame yourself into being like, well, why am I acting a child? I need to stop acting like a child. It's like, well, if it were that easy, we would all fucking do it. But that's not actually how building a secure attachment style works. When we talk about reparenting an inner child, that's literally what we're talking about is you have to, you have to respond as if you are literally going back to your childhood. And just like as a child, you need someone to attach onto, you need someone to help you build that safety within yourself. Like children can't do that because they're children. So you literally have to go back to that place and treat it as if you are giving that child a reparative experience, which we all need because I hear all the time, but I had the best childhood, but my parents, I love them so much. It's like, yes, that has nothing to do with any of this. Like we can love our parents. They can love us. They can give us the best life ever. I fucking love my parents. Like it, it has nothing to do with that. It's that our parents are literally human. Like Yara and I just had a session with my dad yesterday and we had this beautiful teary moment where we hit some pain together and like we were all crying and like there's pain there, right? Because our parents are human. And so we have to treat this reparenting experience as one where we're actually looking at it from a place of, oh, there is this inner child not oh you're an adult who feels safe to go off and just relate differently it's like no you literally have to treat the inner child within you as a child because they are acting like a child and they don't have the safety or the ability to relate from their adult self so in our relationship you literally reparented little me and gave me that corrective experience it was not easy. It was fucking painful. I had to be with a lot of shame that came up because what happens is the shame comes up when we consciously know I'm an adult body. I'm 31 years old. 
but I'm acting like a two-year-old. And then we feel so much shame around that. We make that mean all the things, right? We make it mean that we're just childish, that we're immature, that we can't just have a, nor a normal adult relationship, all the things, right? And like, particularly with you, I would feel the shame around like, oh, I'm just so needy. Like, why can't I just have a normal adult relationship, right? And it's like, when we start making that mean something about us, rather than really looking at what's happening, which is we have that inner child that for all of those years from literally zero to now I'm 31, she was still going around looking for those needs to be met and no one knew how to meet them, which is not their responsibility. It's my responsibility to look at, okay, where am I projecting and trying to get someone to meet my needs where that's not their responsibility? And where do I need to actually find someone to do this work with? Obviously didn't know I was going to find you or what this would even look like, but I knew I needed something. I was like, I, I could feel this, this inner child, or I didn't even know that it was her, but I could feel this dysregulation in my body. And I was like, I don't want to feel this way. And I know that there's a way not to feel this way. And so when we talk about trust and releasing control, I mean, the way that I even found Yara was like fully kismet, fully meant to be like, you know, and so when you're open to receiving that, that guidance and that, you know, trusting your path and like really listening when, when you're feeling stuck, like I, I had been in therapy my whole life. It had helped to a certain extent, but I was still having the same episodes over and over and over and over. And I was like, okay, something needs, something needs to give. So clearly this isn't working. And I need to try a new approach. And luckily, like, thank God I found, I found you in this healing because it really, it gets to all of the missing, I imagine is like crevices. Like it, it's like, I was trained in all the modal, like literally at least seven modalities I was trained in. And they all were like, okay, this part is helpful, but it's missing that. Or this part's helpful, but it's missing that. Like this healing, it covers our whole entire human experience and our soul and spiritual experience, right? I was just gonna add that. <laughs> like, yeah, and the spiritual and the soul, and, and it's spiritual. like both of it. It's like I've integrated it all. Yeah, and it's like it's it's the holy trinity of healing, as mm -hmm. I have said: psychological, spiritual, and somatic. And it really and energetic. There, so there's four now. Like it's yeah. all of it. Like I bring it all together because that's what we need. Yeah, and we are so sneaky. And we just want validation and we, we so sneakily want to be the victims in our lives and we don't even know it. And, and some of us who are like the hyper independent, we're still playing the victim because we're hyper independent. Yeah. And so it's like allowing that full surrender, the full reparenting so that you can actually be with all things. It's full spiritual transformation. It, so I was just yeah, like there's no, like I try and explain this work to, and it's like I go on here every day and I talk about this work and it's like, there's no, there's like no words for it because it truly is a complete energetic, like you fully shift into a whole new, like when I tell you, I, I literally feel like a new version of myself. Like, it's not just like, like, oh, I wake up and I know how, like, I know how to, you know, cope with my anxiety. No, it's like, I don't even have the anxiety. Like it's a full healing of the root. It's a full energetic, like your energetic vibration is different. Like even this week I had pain come up. I had wounds come up 
the old me, I would have been projecting. I would have been just in a shame spiral. I would have been grasping for all the validation. And the thing that we don't realize is like, when we actually just allow ourselves to have the needs and meet the needs and ask for the needs without blaming the other person, without projecting, without making it their responsibility, we then end up naturally getting our needs met way more effectively than if we're like trying to control, like meet my needs, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're like, no, thank you. I mean, the, the coolest thing is that, like, it is, it's a full energetic vibration transformation. I can't describe it. You can't describe it. I asked Rachel the other day in Boxer, I said, did you realize that you would feel this free on the other side? And she said, no, I had no idea this was available. Yeah. And she said, because she used to always give me shit, like, you're not patient. You're not patient. <laughs> and I feel like you have no idea how patient and compassionate I am. And now then, Rachel's on the other side. Yeah. She's I was like, holy shit. So she, she boxed me and she goes, you have the most patience of anyone I've ever met. She's yeah. like, I, I was like, how the fuck did you deal with this for two years? Like now okay. I, now I see it. And now, because I feel the difference. And this is the thing is like, when our inner child is fully in the driver's seat, we can't feel the difference. Like we don't even know what different feels like. So for me, that was a thousand percent my norm. Like I just felt controlling and I didn't even know I was controlling. Like it's so hardwired that when you then shift out of that and then you see your behavior and you're like, holy fuck, like how did you deal with that for two years? And I don't say that as like shaming myself or being unkind to myself. It's really just looking at like, like that was a lot, you know? And and it makes sense why it was there and all the things. And like, we don't realize how much we are relating from our inner child until we actually are able to shift out of it and we see it. And once, once you see it, you can unsee it. And now I can look at it and be like, okay, little me like had a lot of needs and I can now come from this place of compassion, but I can also come from a place of compassion for you in, in working with that. Right. Because before I would be like, you're not validating enough. You're, you don't get it. Blah, blah, blah. Like I would just like project all the time. And that's honestly, because I wasn't having compassion with my own self. That was the shame talking. It wasn't like me just being with the shame and, and like, okay, how can I be with the shame and feel it in my body? Because shame is a lot of the times and, you know, presently, but it is historical because we were made to feel shame for having needs as a child. And then those needs weren't met. So it's like, How can I just feel the shame without making it mean anything about me? And then leaning into that compassion. And when we can lean into compassion for ourselves, we're then able to have so much more compassion for our partners, for our mentors, for the people that have to meet us in the, they don't have to, but who are lovingly willing to meet us in those needs and realizing like how much our inner child was taking over and now we can laugh about it which is beautiful <laughs> and now we can laugh about it and, and, and an important point is that to make is that it would have been a lot easier for me to not tell Rachel the hard things like I could have in what would have kept her codependent on me would have been me not telling her the hard things, me placating her, me validating her, me doing all the things she wanted me to do. It would have been a real easy, like, and then she would have left me alone. She would have stopped trying to control me. Yeah. But I knew that wasn't the path to healing for her. Yeah. That would have 
actually kept her. It's so funny because people get so like judgmental of our relationship. That would have kept you codependent on me. Yeah, they what have if, no idea. <laughs> what actually enabled you to not be codependent on me was me saying hard shit and holding my boundaries around it. No, I won't validate you. No, this behavior is not okay. No, you need to get honest about what's actually happening for you right now. Like, yeah. that's not easy. It's no. not easy as the mentor to say that stuff. It's not easy to hold the line. It's not easy. It'd be a lot easier to just give in. That's not the path to healing for no. anybody. No, because it literally keeps the person stuck. Like, yes, there was a time where we had to acknowledge like, okay, I need a lot of validation right now. And if we were, but then I would get sucked into that of like, oh, now I get this green light to ask for validation all the time. <laughs> do is she would then turn that into a crafty way of like she was using the validation to like control and I'm right. like no I eventually had to say nope no more validation yeah. I would be like, oh, but I'm just just asking for validation. Like you told me to ask for, and then it would become like sneaky. And it kept me like, it's like an addiction. It literally kept me addicted to it of like, oh, I'm feeling unsafe. I'm feeling grassy. I need to ask for validation. Oh, I'm feeling unsafe. Like, it's like this perpetual loop. So yes, I needed it to a certain extent, but also I needed to literally show my nervous system and be with that feeling of, holy shit, it feels like I'm dying without this. Just like any other drug, you literally go through withdrawals. I went through validation withdrawals. It felt like I was dying. It felt like I was being abandoned. Like all the triggers came up, but that is what showed my nervous system. Oh, okay. I, I didn't actually need it. I'm still alive. And like, and Sorry, I no, just no, want to say this. It actually builds your own ability to trust yourself. Yeah. I'm not meant to be your source of validation. No one is. Yeah. Even yesterday, I remember little me was coming out and I like fully validated her and I was like, wow, I feel so much better. Yeah. And like to not have that safety be dependent on another person, like that is literally the epitome of freedom. Like it's the worst feeling in the world to feel unsafe without that other person. And you can't bypass that. You can't bypass it. We had to go through the, I need you. I have a lot of needs. I feel very anxiously attached to you. What's actually happening? Going through all the hard things to be able to even get to this point of like, oh, I can, I don't actually need to ask for help. Remember even last week I said something like, um, I monstered you about something and I was like, does it make sense? And I caught myself and I was like, oh, oh, cringe, cringe. I was like, no, that's the old me. We're not going back. We're not going back. And I was like, nope, I don't need you to answer that. Nope. It does make sense. I know it makes sense. I don't need you to validate that. You know, it's interesting. I actually just had this interesting thought because you always ask me, Rachel always asks me, how did you do this without having a you? Because no one else does this the way that I do it. And not that I've met or heard of or know, like it's a very different method. And I just had this realization in this moment. I was like, it was a combination of my ex-boyfriend being in CI, going through Pacifica and all of my spiritual background. It was like a combo, but like my ex played a big role in it. Yeah. 
because we need other humans. Like, I, I, humans, but I never thought of that. But I knew he and I did a lot of healing, but I was like, oh, he actually did a lot of these things that I have done with you. With right. Me. Right. Yeah. Because he would be like, no, you're acting like a child. Like the way that you'd be like, no, you're acting, you know, like, and we need. Because I was able to be self-reflective, I was like, okay. And then I had other spaces where I could kind of, so it was like a com combination of things. But yeah. it just came through me just now when I was thinking about it. I was like, oh yeah, that's like a lot of how this, how I actually shifted this like fully. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. you know, to share like Rachel did, like I had OCD, I had anxiety and I healed those in yoga and acupuncture, but I had these subtle judgments, obsessing, seeking validation, like in sneaky, subtle ways. And I no longer even have those thoughts anymore. And sometimes I yeah. cry because I'm so blown away by like, I don't even think those things. It's yeah. not like I'm hoping or grasping or I have to do certain things. Like, of course I have my practices that I do every day, but that's just good like hygiene for myself spiritually and emotionally and mentally, right? right? I don't think the same thoughts that I used to. Like they don't even come into my head and like that's so fucking freeing. Like yeah. I can't express enough how freeing it is to do this kind of healing. Like, yeah. It's healing so you feel safe to expand. It's healing so you feel safe to be fully in your power, fully in your being, fully fully with yourself. Like, it's full spiritual transformation of like, oh, I can be with all things. Yeah. I can totally. only be with all things. Pain, ecstasy, joy, the unknown. Mm -hmm. Being safe to be in the unknown makes you the most powerful person in the world. Yeah. Releasing that control. Oh, it's just, there's, there's nothing like it. I... <laughs> I think about that too. Like sometimes I'll literally feel my brain going because again, this is a rewiring. So those old ways and habitual ways of responding naturally come up, but then my brain will like try and ruminate. And then it's like, it's like, I can't like, sometimes I can, but then other times I'm like, oh, I can't even ruminate about this anymore. <laughs> because like, I don't need to, like, it's not even a, you know, like, oh, I'm starting to ruminate and you know, I, I don't need to be ruminating because I know I just need to like get my body and look at what's coming up. Like, yes, there are times where that happens still, but most of the time now it's like, even when my old like patterning would want to go to this place in my head of like, let me think about that or let me ruminate. It's like, it literally just can't, it doesn't go there anymore. And like, for me to even have that experience, because that used to be my literal every day is like, I would live in my head. I would live obsessing and ruminating and future tripping and fantasizing and all the things. So it's like the fact that my brain just can't even go to that place of ruminating anymore, like on that daily, like, it's just, it's just quieter. It's just a way more peaceful. Like it's, just, it's mind blowing. Literally. It's so mind blowing. I'm like, it's so much quieter up here. And, and with that just comes so much more space for like creation and like downloads to come through and just like, just feeling present, like feeling safe to just be in the present moment and, and get the most out of that. And like, none of this would have happened if I didn't actually allow myself to fully surrender to the fact of like, yes, I am codependent. I am anxiously attached because the one thing that like keeps coming back to me is the fact that when people judge our relationship, my first thought is like, well, what do you think is going to happen if I don't allow myself to experience this with you? It's just going to show up with anyone else, right? Like with my yeah. partners, 
And I haven't had a partner, you know, during our time working together, but like the connections that I have had, it's like, I had to allow myself to experience it with them too. It's like, yeah, I think people just forget that, you know, if you're allowing yourself to have this with a mentor or a coach, it's so that they can actually guide you home to you. Whereas if you're just allowing it to, uh, if you're shaming yourself for experiencing it with your coach, it's just going to show up in other places. So you, it's just your own avoidance of it. So Naman, I, I think that's your name. You should do Rachel's men's group. Yes. <laughs> Because yeah. what we do is very different than so therapy different. and what we do, it's just different. It's just a different thing. Like it's, it's a, um, it's, yeah, it's different. It's like really allowing you to be safe in your own being and to release the protectors, to release the addictive behaviors, to release the ways that you seek safety, the ways you seek saving. And you're in Australia, I think it's still. We can make that work. Time. Yeah, yeah. it's an online group, so. Yeah, it's online, um, and it's just completely different. It's completely different, and and some of it's unorthodox, right? Yeah. Like, I know sometimes <laughs> I'm totally unorthodox. Like, you know, a lot of people would, if someone's in a relationship that's like, oh, well, that might be bad, using air quotes, they might be like, oh, well, the healthy thing to do would be to honor yourself and not be in that relationship, and, you know, for me, I'm like, and like we were speaking about earlier, it's like, I think you have to let people experience what they need to experience. And if they have a container where they're held and they're not judged, then the actual healing can be like the nuggets of gold can come out of the relationship. And that's yeah. where I'm unorthodox. Like I'm unorthodox in that we all have to live because when we don't live, and this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, if we don't live, if we don't allow ourselves to experience what we need to experience, then we are stifling parts of ourselves and we are actually not going to ever be free because mm -hmm. we're not fully accepting all parts of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you oh. had, if I was already feeling the shame around the connection that I was experiencing and you had responded to that of like, yeah, what the fuck are you doing? Right. It would just perpetuate the shame and then I would have missed or like a therapist, how does that make you feel? Right. It feels fucking awful, but I still need to experience it. <laughs> or are you actually honoring yourself? Like not actually going, okay, here we are. This is where we're at. Let's yeah. just be with it. Let's experience yeah. it. Let's move through it. Let's like actually extract what we're supposed to extract from it. We right. can't rush our own process. Yeah. And like, of course you would still share like, yeah, do I, you know, like there was one time where you were like, like, do I wish you to spend all this time with this person who doesn't really, you know, feel great to know? And I honor that you literally have to see this through. Like there would be times where I would want to run away from it and be like, fuck this. I'm not doing, you're like, you have to see it through. <laughs> and you tried to deny how you felt. And yeah. I was like, I can feel that you have feelings for this person. And if we're not honest with ourselves, then we fucking have nothing in life. Like yeah. if we're honest with ourselves about how we actually feel. Yeah. And it's amazing because the universe will continue to bring back that same lesson. So this person that I was anxiously attached to messaged me yesterday for the first time in months. And it's so fucking amazing to be able to just relate to it from a place of like, there's no shame. It's just pure like, yes, I still care about this person. I still love this person. 
Um, and I've no desire to be with them and that's okay, but they're still in my life here and there. And it like, it doesn't have to be this rigid, like, oh, they're bad for me. And I have to do a cut courting or cord cutting ceremony. And like, and like, or I have to like be with them because I have feelings for them. It's like, no, I can like deeply care for this person and honor that we will probably always have a connection and I'm not going to choose to be with them, but I'm also not going to feel shame around the fact that they're in my life, you know, to whatever extent. And that is just freedom to just, again, like be with the present moment. I went from not talking to him for months to, oh, now we get to have a phone call and catch up. Like that's, that feels so much more relational to me rather than just like putting labels and attaching meaning on everything. And I think that's what makes this work different than anything I've experienced. And I, I, for those that know me, I was in the traditional therapy field. I, I did all that for years. And again, it helps to a certain extent. And then you just stay like perpetuating the same shit. And so this is like, we're getting to the root. We're getting in our bodies. We're feeling the pain and being able to just allow yourself to have the needs because the more that you honor those needs, the less that you're actually going to need them. Right. I think that's the fear that people have. And that's the fear that I had with you is like, well, if I actually allow myself to surrender to needing you in this way, it's scary because then I'm going to feel like I need you forever rather than understanding that the more that I surrendered to that, the more I was able to come home to myself. And it's like, yes, I still need you to a certain extent. And also then it just becomes about desire. Like, oh, I desire support. I desire to expand. Like we did all this healing work and now we get to enjoy the fun stuff of like building these amazing lives and like supporting each other in that. And that feels so like just such a beautiful way to celebrate all of the really hard, painful, you know, process that led us here. So Rachel comes from a more therapy world. I'm a clinically trained therapist as well, but I didn't become a therapist till later. I was in the spiritual world for like 18 years. And that is a different kind of bypassing. It like bypasses all of the psychological stuff, all of the childhood stuff. And it tries to reach for like the higher states of bliss and ecstasy and non-attachment. But like you can't be non-attached until you're securely attached. And so this method that I have created bridges those. It bridges that. And then you bring in the energetics and it's like, oh, now we feel totally safe in the unknown. Now we feel so safe in our bodies. We're not run by our inner children. We're not bypassing any of our needs. We're not bypassing the younger part of ourselves. And now we just get to expand into the quantum field. And that's so fucking exciting. But it's a process. It's like it's like you can't skip any of the parts, and it's like an intersection of all of them. Do you get to this place where you're like, I feel so good. I feel so connected. I feel like little me is so taken care of. I feel like my my this life trauma, my ancestral trauma, my karmic trauma. Like there are still things that come up, but it's like, oh, I'm processing this. Like I'm, mm-hmm. at, and you can do it quickly. Like oh, I feel this in my ancestral line traumatically. Like in terms of trauma let me just shift that energetically. And then we just keep expanding and it's from a grounded, regulated place. It's not like a frenetic, hyper-vigilant expansion. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I am so grounded and rooted. And now I'm expanding in a way that feels sustainable and safe for my nervous system. Yeah, where you get to be your own anchor while also having other anchors, you know, for when you get yeah. lost a little bit. But yeah, it's just, it's it's everything. It really is. So, ah. <sighs> Yeah, forever grateful for it. And, you know, just for those that are listening that struggle with any, really any attachment style, but particularly codependency, it's just like, 
Yeah, really remembering that like this isn't your adult self. It doesn't mean anything about you. We all have unmet needs that just need to be met. And the sooner that we accept that and we embrace that and we go diving into it to try and meet those needs, the sooner that you're able to come out the other side and be like, okay, now my needs have been met. And like you said, that doesn't mean that stuff doesn't come up. Like life is painful, painful shit will come up. And I have found that it's just the universe bringing you to deeper and deeper layers of it. So like the, you know, the wound that came up for me this week, this isn't a new wound. This is stuff we process, but it's like this deeper layer of it, of just like releasing that pain and creating more and more of that, um, that safety and that reparative experience. So yeah, yes, to heal, you need to feel that's literally why my podcast is feel it to heal it. Um, all right. Well, we should probably wrap up because yeah. we could talk about this forever. <laughs> and yeah. uh, thank you, Rachel, for having me on. Yes, I... thank you for coming on. This was so fun. And thank you, everyone who's here right now, attending live, and for those watching the replay. And yeah, if you're ready for this work, Yara and I both have so many ways to to jump in. So reach out to either of us. We are, we are here to, to help show you the way this really is like the true domino effect is because of this work with Yarrow. I now am able to guide my clients in such a more effective way and like tell them the hard shit that I was so terrible. I like such a recovering people pleaser. I would validate the shit out of all my clients. And now I'm just like, Oh, I actually have to tell them the hard stuff. And so this is truly a domino effect. Like when you do this healing, it will shift how you relate to others. It'll give them a chance to relate differently. And this is how we heal the world. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's super powerful. And it's so powerful to witness you start saying hard things because Rachel used to be like, I can't say that. I'm like, no, you have to say that. That's yeah. what you have to say. <laughs> and now it feels safer to say them before I'd be like, oh my God, they're going to quit. They're going to hang me. And now it's just like, oh, it just comes right out. I'm like, holy fuck, I just said that. <laughs> holding people gently while holding their feet to the fire. And so often we hold people gently, but don't hold our feet to the fire. And when we hold people gently and you hold your feet to the fire, that's when real transformation can take place. And that's yeah. the fucking power of this. And it's like, I've had to do it with myself. I've done it with Rachel. Now Rachel does it beautifully with herself as well because I did it with her like yeah. it's so fucking powerful because we will just hold on in sneakiest way of ways because it feels so scary to let go and be like okay I'm safe to move through all this pain and all this shame and be with myself so that you can feel alive yeah we I the juicy nectarine because I want us all to feel connected to desire and pleasure and intimacy and to feel alive in that way and we have such shame around the subjects yeah. and that's a continuation I wouldn't I would have created the Juicy Nectarine two years ago, right? So looking at the evolution of this journey for myself as well, two years ago, I was still in the, more in the inner child, more in the, like, deep in the trauma. Now I'm like, oh, I'm actually, like, feel most of that. Let's really look at how we're relating to desire and pleasure. And it's like an expansion. It's an evolution. And I just, it's so exciting. It's like, I know the entire world needs to shift their and rewire their nervous system in one this way. Like no one is exempt from this. It is so powerful when you're like, because one of the other things Rachel and I work with is abundance and money. And
and how you relate to that. And if you're not relating to your money in an abundant oh. way, then there is third. I mean, that's a whole other lie that oh, we need to do. Like, it's like, it's not talked about enough in the healing world because our relationship with money determines how we relate to the world through scarcity or how we relate through abundance. And when you can relate through abundance, it's the most powerful feeling in the world. Yeah. And it's so freeing and it creates more abundance and more joy in your life. So, yeah. I'm just um, laughing because I remember when you couldn't even say the word juicy and I'd be like, Ugh, like I was so uncomfortable with like all of that. And now I'm just like, life is so juicy. I'm like, who the fuck am I? <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. I love you and forever grateful for this. And thank you everyone for, for being here and yeah, just reach out anytime we are here. So thank you all for joining. All right. I love you. Love you. See you later. Bye guys.